time for my show, Best That Drummer Guy. Now you're listening to That Drummer Guy. Hey Josh, this is the guitar player. You are listening to That Drummer Guy. That Drummer Guy. Oh, I show you brand new rock and metal you won't hear anywhere else. Introducing so many people to such a diverse array of bands. He gives a crap about heavy metal. He gives a crap about hard rock. Putting out kick-ass metal podcasts. Plus brand new exclusive interviews. The interviews with the helping bands, helping obscure bands especially. And I'm not wearing any pants. So let's begin. That Drummer Guy. Yes. That drum guy, and I'm here to present you two brand new interviews with the likes of the Arson Choir and Amaran. Plus, I have some brand new 2020 music you may not have heard yet. And we're gonna start things off right with some brand new carcass off the upcoming EP Despicable, which shows off four songs that is not making it onto the 2021 LP. This is Carcass with the song The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue.
How's it going? This is Jeremy Kling from Venom Inc. You're listening to That Drummer Guy.
welcome back to the show. You just got done hearing the band Amiensis, Witch Round, off one of the best albums of 2020, Abreaction, which is available now. And before that, starting off the show this week was Carcass, with The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, off the 2020 EP, Despicable. Coming up now is the first of two interviews for the show I have this week, and this is showing off the band The Urson Choir, to talk about their brand new EP, Invisible Monsters, which just came out this past Friday on War Against Records. In this interview, I talked to the frontman of Arson Choir, Philip Pendergast, to know about everything that's going on in the world of the Arson Choir, releasing the EP in these turbulent times, the importance of the DIY scene, and so much more. But before we get into it, I'll be playing the band's first single from Invisible Monsters, Revenge, My Love, followed by my interview with Philip of Arson Choir, followed by the band's latest single, Gore Was Right, also off the 2020 EP, Invisible Monsters. Thank you very much for taking time to do this interview. No, it was my pleasure, man. I love talking about music, so we know why we're all uh, within abundance of extra time. Might as well put it to good use. Oh, exactly. And what better way to do it than to actually be able to talk about some great music that's going to be coming out on the horizon? And, uh, I'm glad you feel that way. You know, we've been uh, working hard. Yeah, definitely sounds that way. I mean, when I'm listening to this EP, I mean, it's just I'm really loving what you're bringing to the table. I mean, I was already a fan of the band already from what they've done previously, but uh, what you're adding to the band just feels like the band is just, like, elevated to a brand new level now. I appreciate that. Um, it's funny. I, I think of it as... Is- 
um, a meeting of the minds, really. You know, uh, I feel like all the members of the band, we really uh, come together uh, at a certain point, like really when we work together and, you know, we're in the writing process and just everyone feeds off of each other and it just, we all push the idea back and forth till it, you know, becomes its, like, final form. And, um, and that was, I was in the band, I want to say six months five months when we started you know writing new material with uh me and the band and you know from the go it was just you know everything it felt fluid we all um speak the same language you know um, i play drums as well so there's a good uh bridging of the minds between mark who's probably the, our primary songwriter and kevin our drummer and uh myself and you know the other members of the band so there's a, a good flow of communication from you know the rhythm section to the guitars and so it's just i feel like we have a, a interesting uh, way of putting stuff together yeah, and I, I love that because I instantly hear that chemistry when uh, you're involved with it as well. It's like I, I can hear how you are connected to the rest of the band and the rest of the band is connected to each other. And yeah, I mean, between all four of these songs, it's, uh, I can absolutely hear that. And it's just it's so cool to see that. And again, when I'm listening to what you bring to the table here and just seeing how your voice matches up with the drums and how it matches up with the riffs and everything, it's just, again like it feels like you've taken the band to another level i think it just comes down to our songwriting process um i i play drums so i will sit with mark and we'll kind of come up with a skeleton and then we we get it to a place where we like it and then we turn it over we turn over our idea to the rest of the band and then they all start throwing in their ideas and and so i get to see the song from its like gestation to you know its final pro- product and so that way from a writing standpoint like lyrically you really get a sense of the rhythm the pace the like what you really want to try and make shine what riffs you want to highlight and what you know the song patterns um i i like bands like uh, boys night out you know the his lyrical uh, execution has a, a ebb and a flow it's it's really kinetic and i really like that and so i that's one of the artists that i really um try to emulate in some of my writing uh process and just being there from the ground level and kind of makes it an organic you know like, ooh, you know when it, when i get to writing actual lyrics i really have a part in mind from the offset of just starting playing drums with it you know kevin will take his ideas and he'll keep some of mine throw in stuff we'll collaborate on things and it just really every everyone you know has a piece of it so just everything flows from that Oh, again, that's just, it's so cool to see that, you know, just that chemistry and, you know, the the fact that you are able to play drums and you are able to work with the rest of the band when it comes to either helping write songs or uh, having uh, Kevin being able to uh, translate his ideas into the drums and collaborate with that together. And it's just, it's great to see when other members of a band have ideas musically of what's going on and being able to connect that way. Yeah, we, we all have, um, each member of the band, you know, has their own, you know, sphere of influence and, you know, communication and working with others is, you know, one of the 
pillars of being in a band. You know, if you can't communicate from one side of the table to the other, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. So it's, I, that's one of the things I like about this band is just we all kind of sit, get together. And when it's, you know, sometimes we'll hit a wall, you know, with a rift or an idea. And it's just like, well, one person doesn't like this or one person is like, eh, I'm, I don't. I'm not feeling this, and then we're like, "What don't you like about it?" And sometimes, person explains their idea, and it and the other side won't get it. And so, having uh, people that are like an intermediary, just to be able to be like, "Is this what you're saying?" You know, and to just make sure that you know being understood in the creative process, you know, that just helps everyone. Like, oh, well, then let's take it to this place, or let's add this part, or let's subtract this, and. Um, it's it's something that you know it makes the the writing process you know like a a really fun process for me you know i especially just getting to see an idea get brought to light and then have other people take hold of it and then just i have to there's a point where i become hands off i'm I'm just you know an extra voice in the room and you know kevin's playing drums and it's being you know crafted the way it's the song is gonna eventually you know take shape and there's you know seeing someone else take your idea and like dude this this is sick you know and then one to keep that it's like yay my little uh my little seedling is is growing and it just makes making music fun and if it's fun you know it just makes everything you know it comes through better it's like the song is like i'm screaming on a part that you know from the jump i'm just like oh i can't wait for people to hear this rift and i can't wait for people to hear the this breakdown or this like spazzy part it's just like ooh yeah it's cooking in the kitchen i love it <laughs> Oh, it's just, uh, again, it's just, it's so great to hear that that's going on. And, you know, it's just, it's working out so well with the collaboration. So with that in mind, like, how did you get familiar with the band? Um, I was playing in another band, uh, Unscarred. They were based in the, the Pico area. And we played a show together. And um, my band had finished our set. And we were, like, breaking down. And Arson was playing. And they had um, a, a temporary temporary guy, you know, filling or whatever, because, you know, they had some lineup changes, you know, since the inception of the band, and so I was just walking by and just hearing the band play, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, wow, this band is so heavy, like, I, I love what they're doing, like, everything was just, it just hit me, I was like, wow, this band's going places, and I'm like, alright, let me just continue with my day, and I, and I uh, just carried on, you know, uh, that band I was in, Unscarred, fell apart, uh, I was just, you know, dicking around reading comics online on Facebook and I just saw Mark uh, post, you know, about, you know, looking for a singer and I'm just like, uh, uh, let's see, I'll just put my, throw my name out there, just look and just email them, hey man, you know, I'd love to, you know, get together and then here we are almost like two years later. Oh, and just, again, it's just, it's so cool to see uh, how that happens, too. You know, it's just like, even though one band can fall apart, you never know what that next opportunity is going to lead to. And the fact that uh, everything came together with the Arson Choir, and you were just able to throw your name out there, and you eventually got the gig. I mean, it's just, it's so cool to see what you can bring to the table. 
and and it just speaks to the um, kind of network connected nature. You know, playing, being in the music industry, however, being in the scene, or however you want to phrase it. You know, we all kind of have connected friends, and I remember. Uh, adding Mark on uh, the Facebook um, because he was, he's in the comic books and so am I. So I remember just being like, oh, there's that guy from that band and oh, this dude, you know, knows about Batman. Oh, that's sick. All right, let's be, we can chat about, you know, comic book stuff, you know, whatever. And then so that and then, you know, maybe like a month or two later, they're looking for a full-time singer and it's like, boom. And I was like, oh, yeah. That guy and you know me and Mark, uh, we get on about comic books and you know I'll send him stuff. He sends me stuff. You know we when we get together we're, we're talking about that. You know Eric and I and we you know actually worked together for a little while and we we both kind of get on about like pop music and like you know uh, you know kind of the bands that you wouldn't really associate with Arsenal Choir and and it's just like we all kind of have this like. Like a meeting point, and it just makes for, you know, the product that we have, and just like the network of people, and how you know one thing can fall apart, and then if you still have the drive, you know, if you still want to, like, I feel like, like the desire, the drive to play music is like something you know that never goes away. Like I, I see friends that have like stopped, like full on stopped playing music, and I'm just like, wow, how'd you do that? I don't know how you did that, like. You know, I there's a part of me that you know you can be listen, listening to music that's not listening to you know hip hop music, and in the back of your head you're like, well, what if they played this? If what if this was like distorted guitar? Like, what would that sound like? There's a part of me that still wants has that drive, that you know desire to be rowdy. So I, it's just <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, totally. And again, it shows that when you have a connection that's more than just writing riffs and songs and lyrics for the band that you're in together, it can lead to so many other great things. I mean, the fact that like you and Mark have a connection with comics and you're able to connect with the rest of the band on pop music and you're able to show off all these different things that are uh, going on outside of the band that you're working on. When you're able to have those connections, you know, it makes the band and friendship so much stronger. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like any working relationship, it's not always just roses and, you know, lollipops. You know, people are going to butt heads. And, you know, if you have uh, a foundation, you know, other than just the band or even just the band, you know, different strokes for different folks. Like, whatever makes your band work is, you know, however, you know, you make it work. But, you know, for us, you know, we all... They, the guys have a long history um, with each other. You know, Mark, Eric, and Kevin were have been in various bands for, I think, like, maybe like 10 years or something like that. And then, so, I come in as the new guy, and just, like, you know, there's a little bit of, you feel like an outsider in the beginning, but, you know, we we bridge that gap like from the offset and I really, you know, I like what's become of our band and our working together as a unit. And, um, you know, some bands continue to carry on despite not being able to be in the room together if they're not making music. But, uh, one thing I like about, you know, our choir is, you know, we, we're all in the room together and it's like jokes, we're laughing, we're talking about, you know, movies or, you know, whatever is going on in the world and, and you know, it's just all like 
fun and games, and then it's like, all right, let's get to work, and it's like, boom, like everyone's locks in, and it feels it all it feels good. Oh, totally. So, when you started writing music for this new P, new EP, I mean, what was that like for you being able to come in and start writing for this band? Um, it it was really interesting because you know I joined the band and it's still like yay you know we want to be our singer I'm like cool awesome and um, you know me and Mark we we kind of connect and we were talking I'm like hey man do you wanna you wanna jam sometime and he's like what do you mean I'm like you wanna just scream in a room with me playing guitar what do you mean I'm like no man like uh, I play I play drums you know I play for a while and he's like all right let's you know it's when you're starting out friendships it's just like all right man let's let's see what you got and then we get into a room together like mark and i like uh we get on about bands like uh 18 visions or like botch you know heavy heavy low low you know bands like that and so uh you know we get together and then we start playing and it's fluid and then we're just like hey what do you think about this and you know bouncing riffs and we have a good you know, work energy, uh, him and I, when it comes to drums. But, you know, I, I used to be in a band that was based in Oregon called My Life in Red. I was uh, there for, like, three years, and, you know, we played with, like, For Today and, like, Dr. Acula and stuff like that, and that's where my drum background comes from. But I haven't been avidly playing in a while. I've been mostly doing vocals for the past couple of years. And so, you know, I can I can... I can hang. So and we and we started coming coming up with ideas and it's like, dude, this is awesome. This works. Like, let's take this idea and show it to the to the guys. And then everything just kind of grew as an extension of you know, just hey man, you want to jam? Like, <laughs> and it's just that that kind of just joy of just wanting to play music. Like, you know, I'm not like Kevin is an amazing drummer. Like, I, everything Kevin does uh, with our ideas i'm always just like yeah man that's that's where i wanted that like he he is a maniac when it comes to playing drums i love watching him work but it's just i i just like playing drums you know um i'm I'm okay but you know just being able to map ideas with mark have him bounce ideas off me and sometimes we'll write a riff and i'm like dude that's too complicated for me like you know what you want to do i can't hang with it let's just record the riff and we'll show it to everybody else and then boom kevin is like all right i see what i can do with that and then it becomes something else like we already have new new material in the works and um just now we've been working with each other for a while now and like these next level songs are just you know just an extension of our growth and time together and i and i'm really excited for you know once (laughs) the the curse is lifted on the land and we can all go back outside again you know the to show these songs to the public and you know get their reaction on those and it's just you know we i love what we're doing yeah and from the fan perspective i really love what you guys are doing too and i can't wait for uh when everything does get back to normal and you are able to start playing shows again because it feels like these songs would just have such a great energy live and for fans to be able to experience that i mean i love what it is on record but i just imagine that live setting would be just even more killer 
you know, our lives, our live set is really where the magic happens. To use a outdated, uh, outdated cliche, but you know, it's uh, I our energy, you know, coming together, you know, feels like Voltron. You know, we we get together and it's just like, all right, man, like this is it. Like, you know, no matter like what size the stage is or you know where it is, like when we get together and we're on stage together, it's like boom, we own this whole space. Like, it doesn't even matter. And it's just like our energy and just like the the constrained chaos that, you know, we try and, you know, put out there. It's just like we're having fun and that's the best part of it. And, you know, um, we had some awesome shows with like bands like Steak Sauce Mustache and it's just being like playing with bands that are about the show that are about being wild and you know having fun like taking it back to where hardcore was you know a dangerous thing and not dangerous as in you know just seeing things or crews and people beating people for just dumb reasons but you know music that was violent and music that was an expression of you know the the times that we were in and just uh, being wild for just for fun, just like this. Uh, this is an expression of you know how we feel, and you know that this you know is either cathartic for us or just brings brings us joy. Like the most you'll ever see me smile is when I'm on stage because that's what I love doing, and it's just it's just all an extension of that. Like, and come to an arson show, like we'll get up in your face. Like it's it's what we love doing. Yeah, and again, that's another reason why I love the band is like the music does sound so fun, but it does sound so uh, chaotic, like a controlled chaos that I, I love so much. I mean, and when you are able to translate that into the live setting, I mean, that's perfect to, for the times that we're living in right now where you can have this brutality in that live setting, but it's also fun and so enjoyable to have at the same time. And you can get so much aggression out on both sides, whether you're on stage or off stage. Yeah, and you want to you want to give people a reason to you know to come out of their 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 dens, you know, you know the music industry, you know, before all of the the shutdown and all this kind of stuff, you know, the music industry, what it is like, the rock scene, you know, was is having a tough time, and he's like, you know, why would people want to come out to a show to see a a bland band on stage, you know, if you're not there because you're having fun, you know, why are you there? And it's just it's an extension of that, you know, we. We grew up on bands like Converge, you know, Norma Jean, you know, The Chariot, you know, Tillinger, you know, it's just wild. And he's like, you go see those bands and you're just like, man, that was so fun. Like, that was was when I really felt alive, like going, going to those songs, going to those shows, seeing bands like Let Live, you know, just a wild energy. And as I remember as a, a, an attendee being like, yep, anytime these guys come through, like, I need this, like, this all this this wild energy is something that you know i need in my life and it's just like we want to provide that for other people you know and it's just something that we love doing and it's just like you know you want to give people a reason to care and you know we're regular dudes you know we like a bunch of things but it's just like when it comes to playing music we there's just something that comes out and and it's just like we want people to be a part of that. We want people to be 
like stage diving and moshing and move, like move like if you look like you feel the energy you feel you know the vibe that we're putting out there you know let's have a good time together and then you know and you take that energy and it gets you through your regular nine to five and you know hopefully you know, like the lyrics and you know our musicianship is something you know that people come to you know love we're not everyone's cup of tea but you know you know we try to incorporate finesse and you know style into we're not just making noise to make noise like we you know we're trying to put together the what we think is like the sickest riffs for for everybody and it's like some people don't like this aggressive style of music but i've even come across people that you know see the arson live and they're like i don't like the rah rah but i get it like seeing you guys perform I understand why people like this music. And, hey, that's a win. And if we can uh, we do that for everybody, that's what we're here for. Yeah, and that's just incredible when you can win people over like that. You know, like, uh, they might not like that kind of aggression. They may not like the style of vocals. They may not like uh, all the, the chaos and sound that's going on. But if you can win them over uh, either in... Uh, in the studio, when you can win them over live, whatever the case is, like, when you can win over people who don't check out that kind of music, but they can at least appreciate the show, that is such a cool thing to be able to do. Yes, uh, I remember we played this one, like, dingle show in uh, Long Beach, and after the set, you know, we we were probably the, the heaviest act on this on this bill and it was like you know we're gonna do our thing whatever and we're breaking down and this couple comes up to to me afterwards and you know they're just like that was awesome like we never we were just you know out you know getting drinks but you know we never seen anything like that you know that's not our our bag usually but you know we really loved what you guys did and we just wanted to you know just let you know we appreciated it and it was just like from a performer's um, stance you're just like wow man like I remember just taking that to heart it really, really makes me made me feel good and just you know it you may not understand it you know you may not understand that style of music but you feel it and you know that and people take that they'll take that with them and it's just that's that's music music crosses borders music crosses you know genders all that kind of stuff and it's just if it touches people you know that's a win and we want to make music that touches you you know either you know lyrically or you know with the music or you know live you know you sh we show you we got it what it takes in the studio you know get it right in the box you know all it takes you know, do all the things to you know show you where we know what we're doing but it's like you to really have an impact on people is what makes me love being a performer you know it may not be on the grand stage of you know top 40 radio but you know just seeing that you affect people on on the ground level it's it still makes my still makes my day any all the time oh and Again, it's just, I, I love to hear that, too, because, you know, kind of like we were talking about before, where uh, some bands can't even stand to be in the same room together, like, they can only be on stage together, and they have to break apart, and they've just lost that passion for music, and they're just doing it for the paycheck when you get to that uh, high enough scale, but, you know, just uh, hearing from 
you just, uh, you know, just the joy that you get out of playing shows, the joy that you have writing the music with these guys and, you know, just uh, being able to uh, continue on doing what you do and just hearing that real passion that's behind it. I mean, it's just so inspiring to hear that. Dude, I appreciate that. And it's just like, I feel it's just like a testament to the people that, that I have in my corner. Like, I like the arson guys. Like, I I couldn't imagine walking into, like, a better situation. Like, I, I started out playing drums, you know, played drums in various bands, you know, and then switched over to doing vocals just on a whim, just just to help out some, some guys that were down a singer. And then just like, oh, I like doing this, you know? And it just kind of grew and just, all right, you know, I still want to, you know, avidly do this whole music thing. And just like, you know, you bounce from band to band and then you get into a camp of people and uh, a group of dudes that you want to be around that you don't want to murder in the off season. (laughs) And then they want to talk to and hang out with even when you're not, you know, doing things to further the band. It's just like, hey, man, you... It doesn't get, you know, this is a win. Like, this is, you know, this is success, you know. Being, so doing something you love with people that you want to be around and making the art that you want to make, it's it's all, you know, that's a win. And that makes me fulfilled as a person. And just, that's why I do it. Like, in, on the ground level, you know, you have bands that have been slugging it out, you know, through pay-to-play season and all different, you know, types of, you know, the ups and downs of the music industry and you're just like why do you do this and it's just like it because it makes me happy and just like i feel uh i feel genuinely lucky to have to be in the arson choir and just to have the guys you know that we have like steven our uh, most recent addition our bass player dude's an animal he's so talented i i love hearing his input and the writing process like him as a person just little little feisty little demon and he always like he doesn't say a lot but when he does it's just like hey man you know steve steve has spoken and it's just everything about our band just is um in my opinion is gold and uh we can't wait to you know show you show everyone the finished product you know uh invisible monsters coming soon but um it's i i feel lucky and I want to do everything in my power to keep the band, keep the band pushing forward. You know, get the art out there. Like everyone needs, uh, we all need something to lift us up, give us a reason to move. And you know, this and you know the day and age we find ourselves in. And it's like, hey man, you know, we're we're trying to do that. And it's like if people appreciate our music and what we what we're doing, if they get it, then then I I love every one of you, like just for real. Oh, awesome. And, you know, I think with all that, I think that's an amazing note to end on, you know, just, again, just uh, hearing that passion, that joy that's coming through there, and, you know, just the excitement of uh, being able to join a band like the Arts Inquirer and being able to uh, add what you do, both you know, on the drums, on vocals, uh, just being in a collaborative effort and being able to release this phenomenal EP in the future with Invisible Monsters. I think this is going to be EP of the year if it comes out in 2020 which I imagine it will you know it's just uh, all four songs are just incredible I love being able to hear this and I'm so excited to see where the band's going to be going in the future as well too because it really feels like the band is in absolute prime form right now and I think it's only going to get better from here on out dude, dude you know I, I feel the same way you know we are always trying to 
uh, push it, you know, push the new songs, you know, push our creativity, you know, try and do stuff that we haven't done before. And it's it's all a collaboration, you know. We we don't play a song live until everyone checks checks off the box, you know. And um, we, as soon as things turn back to normal, like we're gonna be out there and we're doing things, you know, during you know the the lockdown to make sure we can get the EP out. Um, as soon as possible so uh, you know we're excited and you know we can't wait to show everybody what we've been working on oh awesome well again uh, thank you very much for taking this time to be able to talk to me about everything that's going on in your world right now and of course uh, the Arson Choir and the new EP Invisible Monsters which I just find absolutely amazing and I can't wait to be able to help promote this when it does come out you guys start uh, heavily promoting it you know when uh, you release a song and you start able to start playing shows live and I'm able to play a song on my show you know it's just like I'm so excited to be able to do all of that because I I just see so much potential that's going on with you guys and I just know things are just going to keep getting bigger and bigger uh, from here on out and again I just really appreciate you taking time to be able to talk to me about all of it you know I, I appreciate you uh, list, uh, listening to the EP and you know being a fan of the band and sticking with Staying with us, you know, uh, through this little transitional period, um, and we can't wait to have this out and have our our upcoming single out. You know, we're pushing that. So as soon as we can, we're gonna um, try and get that to uh, to you and to all the people. You know, shout out to shout out to uh, the bands that have been helping us along the way. Shout out to Pressure Cracks. Shout out to Steak Sauce. You know, uh, shout out to Ursula. Um, you know, shout out to Takers Leaders, you know, all the bands that, you know, help us along the way and have been a, a pleasure to play with. And, you know, you know, we uh, look forward to what 2020 uh, has to offer. And, you know, we're going to be uh, back on stage and back in your face real soon. <laughs>
welcome back to the show you just got done here in the Arson Choir with Gore Was Right of the 2020 EP Invisible Monsters, which is available now on War Against Records. And before that was my interview with Philip of Arson Choir. And before that was Arson Choir with Revenge My Love off the 2020 EP Invisible Monsters. Now we are about halfway through the show right now, so why don't we get into some of the lighter stuff? And we're going to transition that by putting out the heaviest album that Amaranth has yet to put out with Manifest, which is available now through Nuclear Blast. I have a brand new interview with Amaranth's Olaf Morak to talk about Manifest, talk about the changes in the band, what will hopefully happen in 2021, and so much more. But before we get into that, we're going to play the song Archangel off the 2020 album Manifest, followed by my interview with Olaf of Amaranth, followed by Amaranth with Fearless, also off the 2020 album Manifest.
Hello? Hi there, Josh. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Um, all good. Yeah, starting to get a little bit colder here in Sweden. Uh, I think fall is about to hit us, which is quite nice. It's been very warm for, for being here for quite some time. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling that here in Minnesota as well. And uh, e even still, we're still getting some hot uh, weather going on. But I see uh, coming up, it's going to be uh, cooling down, which is kind of really needed after this year. Yeah, I can imagine. So Burnsville, that's just in the outskirts of uh, Minneapolis, isn't it? That is. Yes, I think I passed through there at some point with the tour bus. Oh, yeah, it's uh, right next to I-35. So pretty much when, uh, you know, with that uh, being one of the main interstates here in the United States. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, yeah. Going uh, south, right? Yeah, yeah. It goes all yeah, the way so down to Texas. American geography, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes all the way down to Texas. All right, yeah. Uh, well, awesome. Well, it's uh, great to be able to talk to you again. Uh, it's uh, been a couple years since uh, we got to talk, but it's great to be able to catch up again and talk about this awesome new album uh, from Amaranth with Manifest coming out the 2nd of October through Nuke of the Blast. Uh, I just got yes. the album yesterday, but I was able to spin it uh, two times now, and I just love what's going on there. I mean, I love the fact that it feels consistently heavier than what you guys have done in a long time, but it's also one of the most varied albums as well, too. I mean, with all the tones and styles that's going on there, I mean, it just it feels like such a great, well-rounded album. Thank you, and that was pretty much the ambition that we had as well. And uh, just like you say, I would say that it's easily the heaviest album, uh, Amaranth album so far. The, th the funny thing is that, uh, you know, when people think back to uh, Hunger and the Nexus, uh, and, uh, you know, the first album, and the second album, uh, people tend to think of it in terms that, yeah, it was so heavy back then, because they always, you know, <clears throat> it's a little bit of a psychological thing that, you know, people who started to listen to us almost 10 years ago, they perceived music differently <laughs> back in the day, if you know what I mean. So they, you know, metal fans will almost always say that, yeah, but they were a little bit heavier in the beginning. But, you know, it's <clears throat> more down-tuned now than ever. The guitars are louder and the riffs are, you know, quite a bit meatier. So, yeah, it's the, definitely uh, heavier, I would say, from my perspective. And then, you know, the, the balance, I mean, it's always been really important for us, but I think, you know, this time it was a priority. So you can basically divide it into, uh, you know, two different parts. That The first half of the album is a little bit more classic Amaranth style, and then there's a little bit more experimentation on the second part, which uh, creates a little bit of a nice contrast and also a little bit, you know, it makes it a little bit capricious and not so predictable, if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. And that's what draws me to the album, too, because you hear so much of that uh, classic style that is going on, but then all of a sudden you start hearing sounds like boom and uh, yeah. do or die. And, you know, it's just like it's all these different uh, kinds of styles that's going on throughout there, too. And I always love it when a band experiments with their sound because you never know what's going to be that next risk that you take that really is needed for the band unless you try it. Yeah, and especially when you're listening through an album, because as soon as you start to hear that, OK, there's some really different things here, then I think you start to pay more attention and you open up your ears because if everything flows by, you know, in kind of a similar fashion, even if it's good music, then it's easy to just, you know, become a little bit complacent with what you're listening to and you're just like, yeah, it's good. next song is going to be the same. It's pretty good, but it's not all that. So, yeah, for us, um, yeah, it's definitely a priority, especially a band like Amaranth that, you know, from the get-go was kind of a different band compared to 
you know a lot of other acts in the metal scene then i think you know when you start out like that it's uh, important to continue to innovate as well oh absolutely and again that's what's really drawn me to the album and uh, just like how you touched on a little bit ago i mean uh, the fact that the the production and the guitar tones especially just have this great meaty heavy feeling that's going on behind it and yeah i mean when you go back and listen to the first couple amaranth albums i mean you can definitely hear heavy styles that's going on also because it was a new thing at the time but when you go fast forward to manifest you really hear that production change you really hear those tones change and the heaviness and aggression really is coming out right now i'm really happy to hear it i think you know this time we also knew that we were going to we had more time in the studio for a couple of different uh, reasons but one of the reasons was obviously you know the global situation that is going on right now jacob hansen our producer didn't have any other uh, you know bookings for for quite some time that's usually the you know the, the stopping point is that you know he needs to do other things as well so um we could actually get down and uh, dirty with the with the geeky stuff like um the, the drum sound i think we spent something like three days just setting up you know the sound i mean we set, set up the drums themselves and the miking in a you know manner of a few hours and then jacob was playing around with all the different drum skins and all the different you know uh, uh you know changes in microphones and changes in eq and you know compressors and all these things so i think what he arrived at he was extremely happy himself and i just have to concur that it really has this you know big and powerful sound that also works with with some of the faster tracks as well that's usually the problem with the balance also like uh, people still, you know, consider, you know, Metallica's Black Album to be a superior production, and I do agree. But the thing is that if you play a bit of faster songs, if they would have put two or three faster songs on that album, it would have been difficult to make it work with that kind of big and powerful sound. So I think um, Jacob really uh, achieved a nice balance. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, with, with that in mind as well, too, uh, when it comes to the production and uh, everything that's going into it, uh, another reason I do love what's going on with this album is all of you shine within this album. I mean, everyone in the band has their moments to shine and really show off what they're capable of. And, you know, with uh, of course, uh, with the changes coming with the previous album, it's great to see that the band is really solidifying here with Manifest. Yeah, I think it's um, it's how should I say emblematic of the uh, the, the current band situation as well. That this was obviously quite new when we recorded the uh, Helix album. He had only been a full time member of the band for for something like half a year. And uh, I mean, even if we got along really well, you know, from the get go, it's uh, it's a different thing when you grow together as friends and you start to understand each other, you know, on a much more fundamental level. Then this is going to re- reflect in the music as well because. Me and Elise really got to know uh, Nils's temperament and also where does he shine because the guy can pretty much sing anything. But it, even if you're, you know, super versatile, there might still be a few things that you are, you know, that you excel extra much at, basically. So um, I think, you know, from the uh, songwriting point of view, we were constantly having Nils in the back of our heads how we should compose the best vocal lines in order for him to, to really get his, you know, thing through. So it was really important for us to have quite a bit more Nils as well on, uh, on on this album compared to the Helix album. Because on Helix, like I said, he was completely new. And if you go all in with a new singer and you already have a couple of other singers, and you know fans might be confused and the singer change might be more dramatic, if you know what I mean. So I think we eased it in, in, a, in a nice way, actually. Oh, very much so. So with that in mind, I mean, with wanting to make sure that Nils is going to be uh, showcased in the right light with Amaranth, I mean, what was that like for you to... Uh, realize the tones and the sound that you wanted him to have and he could perfect when it came to your songwriting process. 
process? Well, there's a, there's a couple of different ways you can approach it because, um, <clears throat> for example, Nils uh, is a bit di different from uh, Jake, our previous singer, because he was a bit more of a power metal singer. And while Nils has those elements too, he's he's this kind of classic rock dude at the same time, a little bit, you know, White Snake, David Coverdale kind of vibes. So we thought, thought it would be fun to try to actually underline that a little bit and write some vocal lines that are in this style. But um, at the same time, I was also realizing that something that might come out that's a little bit, you know, pop sounding when Elise is singing a vocal line, it might sound, just because she's singing, might sound a little bit Christina Aguilera, you know, or something like that. And when Nils was singing the same, exactly the same vocal line, then all of a sudden it sounded, you know, like a combination between David Coverdale and, uh, you know, and uh, Ross from, um, from Symphony X, you know, or something like that. So it was kind of, um, you know, he had a lot of surprises in him in that sense especially since we wanted him to perform you know a lot more parts in this album then he was um i was pretty much saying that yeah we kind of wrote this vocal line for you and at the same time he was saying yeah but let me try out the, the one that elise wrote for herself because i think i can do it really really well uh, so there was a lot of experimentation going on in the studio. And like I said before, we also had the time to you know, really, really let the whole creative process in the studio breathe. And, you know, personally, this is one of my favorite activities with the band. I love touring, I love writing music, but, you know, having those creative moments as the album is coming together in the studio is really an awesome thing. Oh, absolutely. And like you mentioned, I mean, being able to have the time to be able to experiment and try all these different things. I mean, obviously, with uh, 2020 turned upside down for everybody right now, I mean, the fact that you yeah. were able to take advantage of it and make the make manifest even more of a complete album because of that time frame. I mean, at least something good came out of everything that's going on in 2020 for you guys. Yeah, Josh, you, I, I can't tell you how damn lucky we were with the whole situation because we did a tour with uh, with Sabaton and Apocalyptica early in the year. It was between uh, mid-January to mid-February. And the thing is that um, we got to perform the whole tour. It was only right when we came home because, you know, the whole situation hit us a little bit earlier <clears throat> over here in Europe than, in, uh, than with you guys. So um, if, if that tour was, you know, if it would have been, uh, you know, two, three weeks later, it would have had to be canceled, basically. Same thing with the album recording. If we had scheduled it for, let's say, three weeks later, the whole thing would have been canceled. And uh, we actually had to, because uh, we record uh, in Denmark, so we have to, uh, to cross a bridge to get over from Sweden to, to Denmark. And they were, they were closing that bridge completely at uh, 12 o'clock you know this was a Saturday actually and we managed to cross that border at 11 20 40 minutes before the border shut down so yeah we've been extremely fortunate with the whole situation all things considered you know from from the band perspective the only you know it only started to hit us in early June with the cancellations of the summer festivals but there's also the other perspective that, you know, it really, 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 really sucks that we had to to cancel these tours now. Not the least the U.S. tour, because it's been such a long time since we toured in the U.S. And the ticket sales were also phenomenal. But, you know, from the other perspective, uh, the band also got to have a break after 10 years from, from touring. So even if it's, like I said, it totally sucks not being able to go there now. Then when we, we finally come back, hopefully, you know, hopefully next year, <clears throat> I think it's going to be a band that is, you know, well rested and, you know, hungrier than in, you know, 10 years. So there's always a positive upside to, to the terrible things. Oh, yeah. And again, you know, it's just it's so great to see that you were able to take advantage of that. You were able to cross the bridge into Denmark and at the right time and you were able to make this album everything it should be. And yeah, just like you were talking about, yeah, I mean, the fact that hopefully next year things can get back to some kind of normalcy and back to touring and back to live shows. And, you know, with everything that's going on through Manifest here, I mean, it's going to be amazing to hear those songs in a live setting. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, from the live perspective, um, it, it, it really is songs that were written, you know, 
you know, in order to, pre to perform them live and for them to sound as awesome as possible in that context. Basically what we did, we wrote, um, wrote something like 25 to 30 ideas, you know, leading up to that uh, Sabaton tour in mid-January. But the thing was that when we were coming back home and thinking that, okay, let's consolidate all these ideas and make them into, you know, the final versions of the songs, what we ended up doing instead <laughs> was actually write a bunch of new songs that were heavily influenced by you know, just the experience of uh, um, playing arenas every day, you know, for one month, 10 to 15,000 people every day. It was kind of a mind-boggling experience. And you also really learn a lot of things, you know. We've been touring heavily, you know, for the last 10 years, but it's different to play in arenas because then you can really see what, what translates directly to people, especially if uh, we're opening up, you know, for Sabaton as well. So it's not our fans, but if we can win them at, at the end of our set and everybody's clapping and everybody's jumping and all those things, and uh, then we know that we have done something well. So we kept you know changing our set list back and forth in order to accommodate this so we took this knowledge and we just pumped them into uh, you know new songwriting so the funny thing is that seven to eight songs on this album are written uh, within that month between the sabaton tour ended and um, when we went down to denmark so we, we ended up being extremely creative after that tour. Oh, that that is amazing to me. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to think about that in my head. Like, if everything was just going the way that 2020 was supposed to go, how different the album would really be. But you know, it's just like I'm I'm looking at the final product here with Manifest and really being able to start digesting these songs. And yeah, I mean, the fact that you were able to have those experiences, being able to bring everything that you have over the last 10 years, and just being able to have that time to work on it. So, I mean, yeah. And, you know, just thinking about that again, I mean, with the fact that you're able to start recharging your batteries and start looking forward to next year and playing these songs again, I mean, it's really going to be a rejuvenation for the band when you get back on stage again. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that um, what I'm noticing from, from the whole scene right now is that, you know, when if you're a light technician or if you're a tour manager or if you're, you know, a stage production manager or whatever, uh, and people can't tour, obviously, what they will be doing instead, you know, is not only resting and uh, recharging, which is also a good thing but they're also in creative mode right now so i'm like you know constantly talking to the production people about their you know latest ideas because they're extremely enthusiastic about it so uh it will be really interesting when we get back on stage also from that point of view because we also have a lot of time to to think about the future live shows and stuff like that so yeah that's that's us trying to see things from the positive side that a break yes that's also great but you know give creative people a chance to be really creative and not only the musicians and i think great you know, things will come from it oh absolutely Absolutely. And, you know, I'm thinking about that from my own personal experience, too. I mean, the first time being able uh, to see you guys was at the Triple Rock in Minneapolis, Minnesota with a 400 person capacity. But it was just an incredible sold out show being able to see you guys. And now here in 2020, you're able to tour with the likes of Sabaton and being able to play 10 to 12,000 person arenas across the world. And, you know, it's just like it's so great to see that the band has been able to show off that they can play in any kind of venue and kind of style and just able to adapt to that so well yeah absolutely and i, I remember that at triple rock uh, concert really well actually for some reason i would believe that that was our first time in uh, in minneapolis and also the first time playing a u.s tour we had only played atlanta the year before and uh, it was also we have a song called the electro heart from the nexus album that was the first time we ever played that song live and since then we played it two three hundred times so triple rock in minneapolis got a a little bit of a world premiere there. But um, what was I thinking? Uh, it will be, you know, we're really looking forward to coming back to the US because the last time we actually did a tour was in 17. So it's been uh, three years since the last time, which really kind of sucks because we did have some quite a bit of, I would say, I won't call it any big success, but there was a little bit of a breakthrough with um, 
Drop Dead Cynical song that was on Sirius XM and, you know, it's liquid metal shows and stuff like that, which uh, in turn resulted in us being able to tour the US quite, quite a bit. So we played, I think it was something like five or six US tours between 13 and 17. And then all of a sudden it stopped because we had to focus on Europe as well. So that really sucked from that perspective as well, you know, that we hadn't been in the US for three long years when we got used to going over to the States at least twice a year for, for, for a few years. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was incredible to be able to see that as well, too. I mean, uh, the fact that uh you know there there was a breakout here with drop dead cynical and you know just being able to uh see the tours you were able to come here either headlining or being able to tour with bands like within temptation you know just uh, being able to see what you could adapt to being either the opener the main support or uh in the, the headlining situation i mean just you always seem to be able to put together these uh great sets uh great songs to be able to play together the stage production is just so fun to watch and you can just genuinely see the fun that you guys are having on stage too, which really sells everything that's going on within the band. Yeah, and I think that was uh, always, you know, an important thing from us from from, from the get go to to have that, uh, you know, the energy that you can, you know, hopefully feel in the mu recorded music itself should be translated into your mood as a live performing artist, basically. And I also have to mention that, you know, with the with the US tour that now got cancelled, uh, the ticket sales were at least two to three times as good as on the 17th tour because I think that even if the t those tours went good, good as well I think we were starting to get a little bit oversaturated if you know what I mean so sometimes it's good for a break but now it's obviously going to be four years uh, you know since 17 when we actually finally do play the um, uh, the US tour and in terms of um, you know the band growing it's always been it's kind of a nice thing that it's always been kind of stable because it, it started out really pretty well you know already with the first album but for each consecutive album it's been you know uh, 20 to 30 percent increase or 50 percent or something like that <clears throat> so it's never like it exploded or anything like that so it was always you know um let's call it a healthy transition from one step to the next so uh there's a very logical uh, <clears throat> how should i say logical line leading from you know a show like the triple rock show in minneapolis up to playing uh, arenas with, with sabaton it's it's essentially the same animal, if you know what I mean. And but I think that if we would have gone straight to the arenas, we'd, it would probably have been more than a little bit problematic. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm I'm thinking about that as well too. I mean, I I really do love seeing that natural progression that's happened with the band and gradually getting more of the audience. And I think that's a, a great way to go about it. I mean, obviously with uh, success and the touring, it's a it's a bit longer. But I mean, it would be so much better than to have a single that's immediately the biggest song in the world and then immediately drop off the markets with uh, people not wanting to pay attention to any other albums because they just want to hear that one song. With Amaranth, you want to be able to check out something from every single album because you guys always bring something cool to every single album. And when you bring that together in that live setting, you know you're going to be in for a great time. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think, you know, this step-by-step um, -step progression, it's also kind of satisfying in terms of um, it's, it's easy to follow it these days as well, you know. When I released my first albums with Dragonland about you know 20 years ago, the, you had to trust the you know the record sales uh, sales figures that you got from the record label, and it, sometimes it sometimes it could take about two years you know to to actually see the result of the album or touring or you know whatever. 
now, you know, with today's social media, streaming and YouTube and these things, you can actually see the real time progress because with Spotify, you can check the place, you know, down to any city in the US, for example. So you can actually see that, you know, that after you came and played your show, you can see how what, what kind of a difference is actually made. So it's almost it's a little, little bit like playing a video game, if you know what I mean, where you get this instant feedback from what you're doing. And it's it's constantly telling you if you're doing the right thing. And I'm not saying in the sense that you should adjust your music you know, that you're composing because we're really not doing that. I mean, it's the kind of music that we want to write anyways. But the cool thing is that you know if you're doing the right thing live. And for the US, for example, we had two different replacements who were actually touring with us. So it wasn't, you know, 100% Amaranth like it should be, even if it was working. I think the show that you saw was the first tour that uh, Henrik, our new, you know, newer growler did. So we basically never did a tour with the with the actual recording lineup. So that was also something exciting for us, you know, with, with this tour that would have happened this year was to present Amaranth, you know, like it should be. And I also have to say that, you know, from the if I try to take an objective perspective just by looking at YouTube clips, I can tell that there's quite quite a huge difference, you know, how the band is, has evolved, especially in the last couple of years. Now that we are, we know that this will be the final unit, and it's these six guys performing together, and you know, we're basically a family at this point, you know. So, I think that's really nice to see that come across in a live setting as well. Oh, absolutely. And you know, thinking about that as well too. I mean, obviously with the songs, the production, uh, everything that will be going into the live shows, hopefully starting next year. I also love what's going on visually with this album too i mean uh from the great work that you guys were able to do with the music videos to also the album artwork itself i really love the way that that comes off with you know with with the dark city that's going on there with the lights but you do see the amaranth logo just like glowing uh almost in the corner i really love what you guys went with that for the album cover yeah it's um it, that's basically the concept that you have this futuristic dystopian uh, city uh, that has been run down by negativity and the idea is that you know the amaranth uh, a pyramid is kind of bursting through there as a you know a beacon of hope and light and that's a little bit you know might sound a bit pretentious but it's a little bit the way that we like to see ourselves is that there's a bunch you know thousands of bands out there you know in the metal scene that are basically writing you know negative lyrics about depression and all these things and i think it's a great thing that they touch upon these subjects but we, I mean, especially on the Manifest album, we are dealing with some pretty, we're going in some pretty dark territory, but it's always, you know, from the uplifting and positive, you know, perspective on things. And the cool thing with this um, uh, this artist, we were trying to contact uh, this guy for quite some time. And after two, three months, something like that, we finally got a reply. And he basically just told us that, yeah, I'm, I'm actually busy working on... Uh, on a new Marvel movie. So he's a concept artist and he's worked on, you know, uh, Game of Thrones and uh, Cloud Atlas and, you know, Blade Runner 2049 and that kind of, kind of caliber. So we went out a little bit on the line, you know, to actually even, you know, get in contact with him because he's obviously a busy guy. But um, this Marvel movie, which is yet untitled, uh, that he was working on was obviously put on halt because of the corona situation so he got back to us after three weeks and said that you know if you're still interested in having me doing the uh, you know album artwork then i'm definitely up for it so that's another you know <laughs> positive consequence of that this messed up situation oh yeah absolutely and yeah again you know just with with 2020 and seeing everything that's uh positive that's going on with you guys i mean obviously negative as well too like we touched on with the canceling and touring and everything but I do love yeah. the fact that you are focusing so much on the positive because you are really focusing that with with the albums, with the lyrics that's going on throughout the band. And I can just hear it from you, too. You know, the fact that uh, a lot of people could be lamenting the fact that they're not able to tour possibly till next.
next year. But the fact that you are excited to be able to talk about the album, talk about the artwork, talk about how excited you are to get back into touring. I mean, that positive mindset is just incredible to see, especially in these dark times. Yeah, the thing is that um, it's basically the, the perspective that we like to take on things, but it's also a bit of the re reality for us because... Uh, Spotify has obviously got a lot of critique, you know, especially you know in the last few weeks. The uh, Swedish guy who founded the the company, Patrick Ek, he was um, he was saying that bands, you know, and artists, they can't think like they used to, you know, and release an album every five or six years. They have to, you know, work a lot harder and release things more frequently. And obviously, that's a very easy way to upset creative people. As creative people tend to like to, you know, stick to their own schedules and not being told by, you know, corporate people what to do. So I understand the the anger, and there's been a lot of negativity around Spotify. But you know, from our perspective, it's Spotify is what you know is keeping us going throughout this uh, time. Because if it wasn't for for Spotify, uh, then we would have to live from our savings basically. And if we would live from our savings after one and a half year or one year away from touring, there wouldn't be much savings left, or not, not a whole lot at least. But the thing is that Spotify for each band member in Amaranth generates a really good you know basic income and then some actually. So we we are really really happy about being in that situation and uh, i understand that you know we have we are disproportionately lucky with the with the streaming having you know about the same you know monthly listeners as bands like in flames and within temptation and you know that kind of level bands that are obviously in a live situation much much bigger than we are and not the least in Europe. So um, if you're a smaller band, let's say that you're in the two to 300,000 monthly listeners range, which is still good, it's not going to be paying your bills like record sales might have been doing, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. So we are also extremely fortunate in, uh, in this situation as well. So um, because obviously if you're, you know, in personal economically bad situation, it's going to, you know, affect your mood a whole lot. It would have been the same thing for us without Spotify. Then we... The, the whole situation would have hit us harder, you know, as individuals, of course. So yeah, we have to thank our lucky star for that as well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think with that, I think that's a, a great positive note to look on. I mean, being able to embrace Spotify like that, and I can't wait to see how those numbers are going to translate when it comes to Manifest. And, you know, again, uh, Manifest coming out uh, the 2nd of October through Nuclear Blast. Just a fun trip from start to finish. Uh, great being able to see that heaviness and uh, the creative freedom that's really going on throughout the album, that, that experimentation. I can't wait to see what people think about that. And I thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, and thank you so much, Josh. It was a pleasure to talk again. The last time was two years ago, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, indeed, indeed. Oh, and uh, I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't ask one last question. Is is there anything that's oh, going yeah. on with Dragonline right now? Ah, <laughs> cool that you mentioned it. Yes, actually, you know, from the personal perspective, I haven't been as involved with this album for, for natural reasons, with, you know, constant touring and stuff like that. So there you have another positive thing with the, with the current situation, is that now I can actually, you know, dedicate myself personally together with Elias and the other guys in the band to, to finish up this record that has been, sort of been in the making for the last yeah, eight years or something like that. So And it's turning out really awesome. Uh, this time around it's going to be a bit of a sci-fi futuristic fantasy instead of the you know sword and sorcery kind of theme. So um, yeah, it's, it's turning out really awesome. I think we have about nine to ten songs ready something like that so i'm i'm pretty sure that this is actually going to come out next year i've been saying it's probably going to be out next year for something like five six years now but i think now i can actually say that with with some level of certainty <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's fan- so fantastic to hear. I mean, being a huge fan of Amaranth and uh, with uh, Dragonland as well, too. I mean, I'm glad to see that 2020 was that time for you to be able to work on both bands, being able to finalize everything that's going on and bring some brand new music to the table in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, really looking forward to people's reaction to, to the album as well. It's um, We have a new single coming out now also in two to three weeks, um, the Archangel song. I'm not sure if you don't know the titles yet since you only uh, listened to it a couple of times, but that's going to be quite a different video. Oh, I can absolutely the, imagine too. Amaranth video so far, so that's going to be cool. Oh, definitely. Well, oh, I, I know you got a busy time going on today, but uh, I did have to ask about Dragonland. I would have felt bad if I didn't do that. But again, thank you very much for taking the time to be able to do this. Can't wait to show off this interview coming up. And again, thank you for your time, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Yeah, you too, Josh. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the great interview and for the great questions. And uh, talk to you soon. Hope to see you in Minneapolis before long. Oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah, take care, right. man. You too. Bye-bye.
and welcome back to the show you just got done here in Amaranth with Fearless, off the 2020 album Manifest, which is available now through Nuke of the Blast Records. And before that was my interview with Olaf of Amaranth. And before that was Amaranth with Archangel, off the 2020 album Manifest. Coming up now, I got one more set of music before I force towards the sunset, and why don't we bring it down a little bit with some brand new Arion, off the 2020 album Transistus. This is Arion with the song, hopelessly slipping away. Abby returns home, racked by guilt and shame. Daniel's last cries of why, why, echo endlessly in her mind. She is broken, hopeless, inconsolable. It seems to her that there is only one way out. But then, a strange sensation comes over her.
This is Tom G. Warrior, formerly of Hellhammer Celtic Frost, now Trypticon, and you're listening to That Drummer Guy. to the show you just got done here in Nuclear Power Trio with the title track off their debut EP, A Clear and Present Rager. And before that was Arion with Hopelessly Slipping Away off the 2020 double album, Transistus. And that just about does it for the show this week. Thank you so very much for tuning in and checking out my brand new interviews with Arson Choir and Amaranth. Make sure to tune in next week for brand new interviews and brand new music you may not have heard yet. And until next week, this is That Drummer Guy saying, see ya. This has been my show, this That Drummer Guy. Tune in next week to hear some brand new music you may not have heard yet, and check out brand new interviews from bands you'll want to check out. Stay up to date with everything That Drummer Guy on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and ThatDrummerGuy.com for all of your Drummer Guy needs. Intro and outro music is provided by Cloud Kicker. Support Cloud Kicker, Cloud Kicker Music, 
www.bandcamp.com. That Drummer Guy is a creation of Josh Ronquist. Any other use of that Drummer Guy without consent is prohibited. All rights reserved. Until next time. Hang in there, stay positive. It's worth the fight. I fucking promise you it's worth the fight.